السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يحده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار So the topic that I want to address today inshallah ta'ala is the causes of corruption, ruin and also rectification and to introduce this topic I want to begin with a series of ayat in the Quran and through these ayat in the Quran I want to explain how an individual and how a society and how a whole nation there are two key things that an individual a society and a nation there are two key things that each of these types that they are concerned with so for example when you wake up in the morning whether consciously or subconsciously there are two things in your mind and likewise as we work from the individual to the family to the society to the to the nation and the government there are two things that everybody is thinking of and is concerned with and these affairs have been alluded to in the Quran and so we'll start introducing these two things by way of the supplication of Ibrahim Ali salam when he said as occurs in Surah Al-Baqarah وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جِعَلْ هَذَا بَلَدًا آمِنًا وَرْزُقْ أَهْلَهُ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ When Ibrahim a.s. he said O oh my Lord make this a safe and secure city he's speaking about Makkah make this a safe and secure city and provide its inhabitants with fruits. So here Ibrahim Islam made dua for this city, first of all for security and safety, Amun, and secondly for provision, which is Rizq. Now we see the same thing repeated in another ayah. In Surah Ibrahim itself, وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جِعَلْ هَذَا الْبَلَدِ آمِنًا When Ibrahim a.s. he said, O oh my Lord, make this city to be safe and secure. And then we see from the time of Ibrahim a.s. when we come to the pagans of Quraysh, the pagans of Quraysh, we see that Allah Azawajal Addressing them, he says, So let them worship the Lord of this house who has fed them from hunger, meaning fed them to keep them away from hunger. So this now is provision 
and who made them secure, who made them feel safe and feel secure without having to fear. So here we see that these are the two opposites of the things that Ibrahim salam that he made a supplication for. He made a supplication for amn, for security, and he made a supplication for rizq, which is sustenance. And so here Allah Azawajal, he's recounting his favor to these pagans of Quraysh because this particular chapter comes after the chapter of, of the elephant, Al-Fil. When the Christian king came to you know, destroy the Kaaba, destroy this commercial center. And so this was a sign and a, a reminder for these pagans of Quraysh in the time of the messenger of Allah that he destroyed them for you. And so therefore he allowed your rizq to continue. He fed you away from hunger and he made you keep living in insecurity. So once again we see, or we see from these ayat in the Quran that as I said to you at the beginning, when you wake up there are two things you are thinking of. You want to feed yourself and your family. This is the rizq. And you engage in whatever your activities are of seeking sustenance, working, um, studying and whatever else. The end goal of all of that is rizq, is you are seeking rizq. And the second thing that you are thinking of, that you are concerned about, is you want safety and security. You do not want yourself, your blood, your body, your wealth, your property to be, to be harmed or suffer any loss. Right? So you're always looking for security. So these two things, as I said, you as an individual and as a family, as a society, as a nation, even governments and whole nations, this is what they are there to do. They are there to facilitate people's livelihoods. They want to facilitate rizq, right? So they allow things to proceed. They have laws and so on and so forth, right? So this is the economy, the economy, the functioning of the economy, jobs and cost of goods and everything else that relates to this. And similarly, they are concerned also with security, national security. They want their subjects to be safe. They want their borders to be protected. They don't want any harm to come to you know, their subjects. So you can see that al-aman and al-rizq is the concern of everybody. And in the Quran, Allah has given us a parable. And in this parable, he explains how a city or a society or a nation it moves from security and sustenance on the one hand to the opposites which is fear to live in fear to live in fear of your life your wealth and also poverty or hunger hunger and so this parable is in surah an-nahl in which Allah Zawajal, he says, mathalan. Allah has set forth a parable. Qaryatan kanat aminatan Parable of a city. This city was amina, meaning it is safe and secure. And mutma'inna, meaning tranquil, living in tranquility. Ya'tiha rizquaha ragadan min kulli makanin. 
its sustenance comes to it you know in abundance from every direction so this is an affluent city a safe city a secure city this city is in fact Makkah but this parable applies to every every city so then what happened فَكَفَرَتْ بِأَنْعُمِ اللَّهِ it then denied or disbelieved or denied or was ungrateful for the favors of Allah. فَأَذَاقَهَ اللَّهُ لِبَاسَ الْجُوعِ وَالْخَوْفِ بِمَا كَانُوا يَسْنَعُونَ So what was the consequence? The consequence was that Allah He made this city to taste the clothing of الْجُوعِ وَالْخَوْفِ الْجُوعِ وَالْخَوْفِ Which is hunger and fear so these are the two opposites the two opposites of what Ibrahim al-Islam he made a supplication for of safety and sustenance on account of that which they used to do so here now from this parable we understand that when we try to understand our own lives or the society in which we are living or the nation in which we are living how and why does it fluctuate between being prosperous and well off and being safe and secure to live in you can step outside of your door you can travel from one place end of the, the country to another and you feel totally safe how and why does the situation change from this to that right so this is the question we need to ask ourselves because when we look in our own lives and the countries in which we live and nations all across the world, Muslim nations, and we see what is happening in these Muslim nations and we see that what are the two main things that people are complaining about? They are complaining about rizq, sustenance, jobs, economy, welfare, so on and so forth. And they are complaining about safety. Safety for them, their lives, their, fa their families' lives, their, you know, and so on and so forth. So, with this introduction, my aim in this lecture was to help answer this question by way of numerous statements from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, uh, ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, and before them, a nice statement from... Uh, from uh, Imam Al-Qurtubi's tafsir, inshallah ta'ala. And as we read these state, the statements of these scholars, then you will find the, 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 the question, you know, the, the, the answer be, to this question being presented, you know, unraveling itself to you. How do individuals and societies, do they move between, you know, prosperousness, prosperity and safety and on the other side? And this will help us to understand the real and true causes of ruin and corruption and success. And once we understand this, we will then be able to see clearly that the guidance of the messengers is the most complete and perfect of guidance. And that the guidance that they brought in order to rectify whole societies to turn them around, to bring them to prosperity, to bring them to safety, to remove the fear that they had. That all of this 
is found completely and perfectly in the guidance of the messengers, the methodology of the messengers, what the, the, that which they came with in order to rectify the servant and the land. And once we understand that, we will then see, be able to see very clearly how unfortunately the Muslims have been tremendously misguided from the true and real causes of rectification, how they have been misguided by individuals, figureheads, groups, parties, sects. All of these people have come and they've misunderstood this issue. They misunderstood this issue of how to understand what's happening in our society and how to understand the true and real causes behind what's happening in this society. Why is there lack of jobs? Why, is there, well, why are the people fearful for their lives? Why can they not live in tranquility? What's the reason? Why is, why is there an economic depression? Why are the prices so high? Why are the jobs so scarce? Right? These people misunderstood the true and real reasons behind these affairs. And then they went to the writings and the theories and the philosophies of the disbelievers. Right? And they began to take from them their ideologies and then tried to rectify Muslim societies by way of these foreign introduced ideas, innovations, philosophies, and so on and so forth. And in the process, they create much more harm and much more corruption than there was to begin with. Right? So these are some of the issues that we want to learn and you know understand by way of these statements that we're going to read from these scholars inshallah ta'ala so first of all i'm going to i'm going to focus around one ayah in the quran even though there are many ayat in the quran that we could focus around um, which which explain this topic so for example uh, another ayah is inna uh, allah Indeed, Allah does not change what is with a people until they change that which is with themselves. So this ayah now, we could just focus upon this ayah and commentary from the Salaf, from the Mufassirun and from the other scholars and use this verse as the basis. And we could answer the same question. Right? But I'm not going to choose that particular verse. The verse I'm going to choose is the verse in Surah Rum, Surah 30, verse number 41. And this is the statement of Allah Zawajal. ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِ النَّاسِ Mischief, corruption has appeared upon the land and the sea on account of what the hands of men have earned. لِيُضِيقَهُمْ بَعْضَ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِئُونَ In order that he may give them a taste, to make them taste some of the deeds they have done, they have committed, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِئُونَ In order that they may turn back, that they may turn back. So this verse allows us to answer that question, what moves a nation and a society from living in prosperity and peace and security and sustenance and provision 
and it moves from that and it goes to poverty and hunger and fear and being scared for one's life for one's property what and this ayah answers this question so al-qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala he says uh, th- there, there are numerous uh, explanations maybe seven or eight explanations and he first of all says what is the corruption what is the corruption here being referred to in this ayah so qatada rahimahullah he said al-fasadu ash-shirk al-fasadu ash-shirk the corruption here being mentioned al-fasad is ash-shirk fasad and it is the greatest fasad and ibn abbas radiyallahu anhuma and ikrima and mujahid they all said fasad al-barri katl ibn adam akhah qabilu katla habil as for the corruption on the land it is the killing of qabil of uh, of habil basically murder the first murder this was corruption on the land and in the sea of al bahr بالملك الذي كان يأخذ كل سفينة غصبا and as for the sea then it is referring to that king which is mentioned in Surah Al-Kahf who would on the sea he would capture the ships he would plunder the ships so this now is corruption on the sea another view is of Al-Fasad is Al-Qahd وقلت النبات وذهاب البركة the corruption being referred to is a famine or a drought where nothing grows there's no uh, herbage or plants and likewise the baraka disappears the blessing in plants and fruits and the blessing basically disappears so meaning in their taste and in their size and in their nutrition the baraka disappears and likewise Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma he said huwa nuqsanu al-baraka bi'a'mali al-ibadi kayyatubu so what happens is that the blessing the blessing the plentifulness and the wholesomeness and the goodness it decreases because of the actions of the servants that they are committing and they are made to see this decrease why so that they are able to repent they are able to make the link between the decrease in the baraka baraka and their own actions being the cause of that and likewise he brings some other opinions waqil al fasadu kasadu al as'ari wa qillatu al ma'ash he said the al fasad here is an economic depression an economic depression meaning the market has become stagnant it is become still and the, the economy is now you know in, in a depression and he also said waqil al fasadu al ma'asi wa qat'u as-sabil wadh-dhulm the corruption here it means disobedience and the paths being cut off the roads being cut off meaning you are fearful to travel because you fear some bandits are going to attack you and steal your wealth your possessions and harm you and your family wadhulm and the occurrence of zulm of, of 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 oppression so from all of these 
statements that Al-Qurtubi has basically summarized, we can see that many of these things that we, for example, you might eat a fruit and you realize this fruit doesn't taste the same as it used to 20 years ago. There's no goodness in this fruit. Why is this? Why, why is this apple tasting like this? Why is it so deficient? Or you might see that there are no jobs available. There's an economic depression in the country. right? Or you are fearful. There are, there are robberies. There are murders. There are you know, people being knived and stabbed. Why is all of this? Why is this taking place? What are the reasons? Right? And so we can see here that the Salaf, the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they connected between the actions of the servants, the actions, the sins and the disobedience, and these kind of symptoms manifesting in the society. So this is the first statement I wanted to uh, bring. The second statement is... Um, is a beautiful statement from Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullahu ta'ala and I want you to pay attention to this and so he says this statement uh, is a, an explanation of the same ayah so he says uh, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah he says this ayah he said so he's saying to you, take this verse and apply it to the, the, the situation or the, the affairs that you see taking place in the world. Take this ayah, apply it to every affair, every situation that you see taking place in the world. So if you want to take this verse and apply it to, for example, Egypt, apply it to Egypt. You know, the Arab Springs, the revolutions, apply it to the situation there. Right? Or any other country. Apply it to any other country. He says, Compare. So take this ayah, apply it to what you see in the world, and then compare and contrast, apply it and compare between the reality that you see and between what this verse is telling you. And you will see, وَأَنْتَ تَرَى كَيْفَ تَحْدُثْ you will see how these uh, calamities and these kind of flaws they appear in every time they're always appearing meaning these deficiencies and flaws whether it is in the fruits and the vegetation and the animals and how these calamities and flaws and defects that they come in succession. They are tied one to another. He says, وَكُلَّمَا أَحْدَثَ النَّاسِ ظُلْمًا وَفُجُورًا أَحْدَثَ لَهُمْ رَبُّهُمْ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى مِنَ الْآفَاتِ وَالْإِلَلِ Every time the people, they bring about an instance of ظلم, an instance of oppression, right? So the subjects now, you, you oppress another person you oppress him in something and or you commit fujur you commit some sin every time this happens their lord the blessed and the most high what does he do he brings out a calamity and some flaw or deficiency 
in in their food, in their nutrition in their fruits that they harvest and in uh, basically in the environment as well in the waters, in the streams, in the waters, in the rivers and in the air that they breathe and in their bodies and in the physical form and the structure of their bodies and in their appearances and in their uh, forms and shapes and in their characteristics and qualities so he brings out in all of these affairs so he brings out flaws and deficiencies in all of these things that we mentioned such calamities and flaws which are necessitated and demanded by their own actions the actions which they are committing the actions of dhulm of oppression of each other and the actions of uh, you know the fujur which is their sin now he gives a really nice example he says وَلَقَدْ كَانَتِ الْحُبُوبِ مِنَ الْحِنْطَةِ وَغِيْرِهَا أَكْبَرُ مِمَّا هِيَ الْيَوْمِ He says that today, or he says that if you were to take a grain of wheat today, you will come to realize that in the time that has gone, a grain of wheat used to be much larger than it is today. كَمَا كَانَتِ الْبَرَكَ فِيهَا أَعْظَمُ just like the blessing in that grain of wheat was much greater. وَقَدْ رَوَى الْإِمَامْ أَحْمَدْ بِإِسْنَادِهِ Imam Ahmed has related with his isnad أَنَّهُ وُجِدَ فِي خَزَائِنِ بَعْدِ بَنِي أُمَيَّةِ سُرَّةً فِيهَا حِنْطَةً أَمْثَالُ نَوَى التَّمَرْ مَكْتُوبًا عَلَيْهَا هَذَا كَانَ يَنْبُتُ أَيَّامَ الْعَدَلِ He said that narrating from Imam Ahmed that Bani Umayyah, so this is Ibn al-Qayyim narrating about the time of Imam Ahmed who was saying that in the time of Bani Umayyah which is a hundred roughly years before Imam Ahmed that there was found they found a treasure chest of Bani Umayyah and in this treasure chest there was, they found a grain of wheat and this grain of wheat was the size of the date stone. It was this big, the grain of wheat. Right? It was that big. And it was written on this grain of wheat, هَذَا كَانَ يَنْبُتْ أَيَّامُ adal. This is what used to grow in the days of justice. In the days of justice. When there was adal in the society, then this is how the wheat would grow in such a large size. And it would be of uh, uh, great barakah, plenty of barakah. So he says, uh, so he says, وَهَذِهِ الْقِصَّةِ ذَكْرَهَا فِي مُسْنَدِهِ عَلَى You know, this, this uh, story he mentioned in his musnad. Then he goes on to explain that most of these diseases وَأَكْثَرُ هَذِهِ الْأَمْرَادِ وَالْآفَاتِ الْعَامَةِ بَقِيَّةُ عَذَابٍ عُذِّبَتْ بِهِ الْأُمَمِ السَّالِفَةِ most of these calamities that you see in the societies, remember we are supposed to be applying this to everything that we see in the world, right? 
He's saying that most of these diseases and these general calamities that you see, they are simply a remnant. They are the after effects and the remnants or the remains of a punishment by which the previous nations were punished with. Then these calamities and these, these diseases, they were allowed to remain so that anyone who did the same deeds as those destroyed nations, then these calamities and these afflictions will come and afflict them as well. In other words, all of those previous nations who, who have been mentioned in the Quran and who have been destroyed in a variety of different ways, whether it be the people of Nuh salam, whether it be the people of Ad and the Thamud, right? So many nations destroyed in different ways. Some of them drowned. Some of them swallowed by the earth. Some of them destroyed completely by the wind, you know, the, uh, a fierce wind. Others, for example, like it is mentioned here, the Bani Israel, uh, in fact, he says that ثُمَّ بَقِيَتْ مِنْهَا بَقِيَّةً لِمَنْ بَقِيَتْ عَلَيْهِ بَقِيَّةً مِنْ أَعْمَالِهِمْ So these, these calamities and these types of diseases, they remained so that they can ambush any person who does the same deeds as those people did. And he says, حُكْمًا قِسْطًا وَقَضَاءً عَدْلًا This is an, you know, a just judgment and a just ruling. He says, وَقَدْ أَشَارَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ إِلَى هَذَا بِقَوْلِهِ فِي الطَّاعُونَ إِنَّهُ بَقِيَّةُ رِجْزِ أو عذاب أو رجز أو عذاب أرسل على بني إسرائيل. So he mentioned about the plague. What is the plague? He said the plague, this disease that comes and it, you know, uh, it spreads, whatever. He says this is a remnant of the punishment that was sent upon Bani Israel. وَكَذَلِكَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ الْرِّيحَ عَلَى قَوْمٍ سَبْعَ لَيَالٍ وَثَمَانِيَةَ أَيَّامٍ Likewise, Allah Jal, He sent the wind for seven nights and eight days. And, uh, you know, this is uh, some of the nations of the, of the past, like Ad. So the point being, He is saying that all the calamities you see and the hardships that you see and all of the deficiencies that you find in people's appearances, in their bodies, in the food that they are eating, and everything else, then, you know, this, this has a certain reason and a cause, and the decrease in barakah. All of this returns back to the people's deeds, the people's actions, the people's dhulm, the people's fujur that they fall into. And then he continues, he says, وَقَدْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ أَعْمَالُ الْبَرِّ وَالْفَاجِرِ مُقْتَدَيَاتٍ لِآثَارِهَا فِي هَذَا الْعَالَمِ اِقْتِدَاءً لَا بُدَّ مِنْهِ So what he's saying here is that Allah has tied to the actions of every righteous person and every evil person. He's tied to their actions certain effects. Certain effects in this world, that they are absolutely, they, they, they cannot be disconnected. Right? These, these are tied like this. If you do certain actions, this will happen. If you do certain actions, that will happen. Right? This is what Ibn al-Qayyim is saying. So, this is like, for example, you know that if you, as a rule in Allah's creation, when you drink this water, it will remove your thirst. 
We know this from experience, right? Likewise, if you put your hand in the fire, that hand is going to burn. These are the laws of Allah in His creation. We know these laws because we study them, we experience them, and through that we are able to understand the world and, you know, facilitate our our livelihood and other affairs. But there are some other things which we cannot know just by this limited experience. And these are the things that Allah has informed us of in the Quran and His Messenger has explained in more detail in the Sunnah. So Ibn Al-Qaim is mentioning here that Allah has tied to every righteous person's actions and every evil person's actions certain effects which are not separable. You can't separate them. So he made فَجَعَلَ مَنْ الْإِحْسَانِ وَالزَّكَاةِ وَالصَّدَقَةِ سَبَبًا لِمَنْ إِلْغَيْثِ لِمَنْ إِلْغَيْثِ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْقَحْرِ وَالْجَدَرِ So he said Allah when a people they withhold being kind to others and giving the zakah and giving sadaqah charity when they withhold this then Allah has made this to be a reason or a cause for the rain to be withheld from the sky and for there to be a drought and a famine so now what is the real and true cause of a drought and famine is it because of the evil ruler? Is it because of economic policies? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? No, the, the, these are not the real, true underlying causes. Here it is being made clear for us in the Sunnah that when, when the people, the subjects, they withhold being benevolent and kind to the poor and the needy, withhold the zakah, withhold the sadaqah, then Allah will withhold the rain from the sky. And then there will be droughts and famines and you know lack of provision. This is the true real and the true cause. And this is very clearly stated in a, in a hadith anyway which we're going to mention. Likewise he says, masakin, And he made what the, when people oppress those who are poor and to cheat in weights and measures and when a strong person, he basically devours a weak person, right? So in some societies, you find the people who are strong and rich and powerful, they manipulate and exploit the poor people, as you, see, as you find in many, many societies. Economically, the rich always exploit the weak. So when you see this happening, what happens? That Allah He has made this sababan. لِجَوْرِ الْمُلُوكِ وَالْوُلَاتِ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْحَمُونَ إِنِسْتَرْحَمُوا he said that this is a cause for the tyranny of the ruler for the ruler becoming tyrannical and oppressive he puts such kings that if you ask them to show mercy they will not show mercy if you ask them to be considerate they will not be considerate so look at this what is the real reason for a tyrannical ruler an oppressive ruler Right? Where should we, should we be pointing the fingers? And who is the one who appointed that tyrannical ruler? Who is the one who laid down this law of tyrannical rulers being put over people because they do certain deeds and actions, which is they cheat in the weights and measures between themselves and the strong exploit the weak. Who is the one who laid down this law? It is Allah Azza wa Jal. 
from his wisdom and from his justice. So he says, Wahum, meaning these rulers, Wahum fil haqiqa, a'amalur aya zaharat fi suwari wulatihim. So what he's saying here is that when you see a tyrannical ruler and he's tyrannical on, on his subjects, he does not show them mercy, he does not show them kindness, and he does not fulfill their rights. What is it that we are seeing in this ruler? What we are seeing is the actions of his subjects, the deeds of everybody in his nation, they have been physically represented, they have taken a physical form in this ruler. What you are seeing of this ruler and all of his deeds, that is simply a manifestation of what the people are doing. Or not what the people are doing, but what the people deserve from Allah by way of his adal and hikmah, by way of his justice and his hikmah. Look at this. So, he says, and then look at this, he says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ سُبْحَانَهُ بِحِكْمَتِهِ وَعَدْلِهِ يُظْهِرُ لِلنَّاسِ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فِي قَوَالِبٍ Indeed, Allah the sublime, through his wisdom and his justice, he makes people, he makes it appear to people, or he makes their own deeds appear to them in, in the form of uh, forms and appearances and shapes in front of them, which are which are uh, which are directly related to their deeds right so he says for example sometimes he will show them their deeds by way of a famine or a drought this is one way the second way the second way he will show them their own deeds is by way of an enemy an enemy who comes and who basically who attacks your land right Another time it could be by way of tyrannical rulers. Tyrannical rulers. He shows them their own deeds by way of tyrannical rulers. Other times it is by way of general diseases. Disease which spreads. Another time, or other times, it is by way of people being struck with anxiety and stress and sorrow and grief. These things come, these things come to their souls and they do not leave their souls. Right? This is another way. Other times, it is by Him withholding the blessings of the heaven and the earth from them. So nothing, rain does not come down, nor does the herbage come out of the, out of the earth. Why? Why does Allah do this? He does it first of all so His word can be established true against them. His word can be proven over them. And that every individual, by way of, his, by way of Allah's qadr, he will be led to his destination, his eventual destination. Look at the wisdom of Allah See this, how Ibn al-Qayyim has perfectly explained everything to us. So everything you are seeing, he mentioned everything, a famine, a drought, 
an enemy attacking and dominating your, your, your nation. Tyrannical rulers, general diseases which, in terms of the body, which spread in the society. Um, uh, psychological illnesses, stress, depression, anxiety, sorrow, grief, which enter the souls and do not separate from them. Or it can be withholding the rain and withholding the growth from the earth. Or it can be, uh, and then he says also, وَتَارَةً بِتَسْلِيتِ الشَّيَاطِينَ عَلَيْهِمْ تَأُزُّهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَسْبَابِ الْعَذَابِ And other times Allah might just incite the devils, the shayateen. He will incite them against you to lead you further into you know, misguidance and the causes of punishment. All of this, Allah is doing this to establish His word as being true and to lead each person you know, to whatever his outcome is going to be by way of his al-qadr, by, by way of al-qadr. وَالْعَاكِرُ يُسَيِّرُ بَسِيرَتَهُ بَيْنَ أَقْتَارِ الْعَالَمِ So the intelligent person, he takes his sight and he puts his sight over the various parts of the world. And he witnesses all of this and he starts to see the how Allah's adal, Allah's justice and Allah's wisdom is being manifested. And then it will become clear to him that the messengers and their followers specifically, they are the ones who are on the path of deliverance. And as for all of the creation, the rest of the creation, they are upon the path of destruction. And they are, you know, moving towards the path of destruction. And Allah is the one who can reach his affair. No one can uh, follow up and, you know, uh, alter his judgment. And no one can repel his command. And with Allah is success. Can the owner of a Citroen minibus registration number CU15VYS please move their vehicle immediately? Registration number CU15VYS Citroen minibus, which is parked across the road from the masjid. So this is a tremendous statement from uh, Ibn al-Qayyim. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. And um, before we continue with some speech from Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymi, rahimahullah, you know very well that these statements that are being made are themselves taken from the Quran and from the Sunnah. And so there is the famous hadith that you know re- related by Abdullah bin Amr, radiallahu anhu, uh, who said that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he turned to the uh, muhajireen and he explained to them that there are going to be five things. There are five things which, which uh, if you are put to trial with them, or I seek refuge that you are going to be put to trial with them, or that you reach them. Then he mentions these five things. And the first of those things he mentions, he says, never does al-fahisha, never does open obscenity manifest in a people, until they, they, they you know, announce it openly and make it open, except except that plagues and diseases will enter into them that their forefathers never had before. So this is now the messenger of Allah telling us about a rule in Allah's creation. That when the people start committing obscenity, you know, illegal sexual intercourse, sharing partners, making it open, having all of this promiscuity, then what is going to happen is that there will be plagues and diseases that were not found or were not widespread 
in their ancestors. And of course, you can see this clearly. This is true in the societies that we live in. You know, sexually transmitted diseases uh, are all over the place. You know, because of, of this culture, of this permissive culture that they are spreading. Anyway, that's a rule in Allah's creation. And then He says, "Olam yankusul mikyala wal mizan illa ukhidu bissinin wa shiddatil ma'una wa jawri sultani alihim." And never do they cheat in the weights and measures, except that they are taken by years of hardship and uh, scarcity of provision and the tyranny of the ruler over them. So this is very explicit from the messenger of Allah The one who does not speak from his own desire. This is revelation. The Quran is revelation and the sunnah, this is also revelation as well. And so this knowledge which he gave us is from Allah informing us about his creation that if individuals cheat each other in the weights and measures then Allah will bring tyrannical rulers over them then he continues and never do they withhold the zakah of their wealth except that the rain will be held from the sky had it not been for the animals then they would have never been given uh, rain from the sky. Then he continues, never do they break the covenant of Allah. Never ever do they break or violate the covenant of Allah and His Messenger. What is the covenant of Allah's Messenger? That we worship none but Allah and we obey His Messenger. This is the covenant. Never do they break this covenant except that Allah, He empowers an enemy over them. And this enemy comes from besides them and it takes some of what they used to possess. Right? So when the Muslims break the covenant of Allah and His Messenger, then Allah empowers enemies to come and to dominate them, right? And to, you know, over-empower them. And then they begin to take from them what they used to possess. We're going to speak about this a bit more, inshallah. And to the end, وَمَا لَمْ تَحْكُمْ أَئِمَّتُهُمْ بِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ And so never do the, the, the leaders not ruled by the book of Allah Allah, and seek to you know uh, apply that which Allah revealed except that Allah makes the infighting between them to be very severe so the point being from all of this you can see that the Quran and the Sunnah have taught us that this creation works in a certain way there are rules in Allah's creation. So if you abide by certain things, you will have al-aman, you will have safety and security, and you will have rizq. And then when you commit corruption in the ways that we mentioned, then this will go to the other side. There will be khawf, there will be fear, there will be poverty, there will be hunger. And so this is how we understand what is happening in every single nation and society. Now to explain this even more, this hadith which I just mentioned to you, I want to focus on the fourth one. The fourth one 
it mentions that when the people break Allah's covenant and his messenger's covenant Allah will empower enemies over them and those enemies will take what they used to possess I want to mention another beautiful statement from Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah and I won't read the Arabic for shortage of time uh, but uh, I'll explain to you the essence of what he's saying this is in his the 13th volume of Majmu al-Fatawa uh, page 177 onwards this is abridged so basically he's explaining here um, the first thing he explains is why did the very first ruling dynasty come to an end what is the value who is the very first ruling dynasty in Islam right so we have the Khulafa after the messenger of Allah then there was the Bani Umayyah right the Umayyads they ruled for roughly around maybe uh, you know 80 100 100 years or so Ibn Taymiyyah is explaining why did their rule come to an end why did they come to an end so he says the last of the Khulafa of Bani Umayyah his name was Marwan bin Muhammad Al-Ja'di Al-Ja'di why did he take this name Al-Ja'di where this name Al-Ja'd come from Al-Ja'di he says Al-Ja'di is an ascription to Al-Ja'ad bin Dirham. This Mubtadi, this innovator, misguided innovator, Al-Ja'ad bin Dirham, is the one who brought into Islam the ideas of the, the, the Greek philosophers, the Jews, the Christians, in relation to Allah's names and attributes. Right? He brought all of that into Islam. He brought that statement. And this ruler of Bani Umayyah, he allied himself with Al-Ja'ad bin Dirham, until he began to ascribe himself to, to him, Al-Ja'di. So he says the misfortune of this ascription returned back upon him such that the Umayyad state came to an end. Meaning that his rule was ended because he made friendship and allegiance with this innovator, this misguided innovator. This is why his rulership came to an end. And he said, for when innovations which oppose the deen of the messengers appear in a nation, then Allah seeks revenge from whoever opposes the messengers and he will then aid the cause of the messengers. He continues, when hypocrisy, when innovations, when sinfulness, when bid'ah and fujur appeared, which were in opposition to the deen of the messengers, the enemies were empowered over them. Thus, Christian Rome, Christian Rome came out to Sham and the Jazeera time after time and they gradually took over the coastal regions of Sham on the Mediterranean. Bit by bit, until they took Bayt al-Maqdis at the end of the 4th century Hijrah. He's speaking about the Crusaders. The Crusaders came from the west, from Europe, they came all across from France and other places and they made their way through, you know, through uh, Anatolia all the way down to Sham. This is what he's speaking of. Why did this happen? It happened because Al-Bida' Wal-Nifaq Wal-Fujur was manifested in the Muslim nation. Right? The people broke the covenant of Allah and His Messenger and so Allah empowered the enemy over them. And so this enemy took some of what they used to possess, the very words of the Messenger of Allah. 
right? So they took all of that coastal region of Sham. They kept coming in waves. The first crusade, second crusade, third crusade, right? And they did what they did. What's the reason for that? What's the reason? Al-Bid'ah wal-Fujur. Innovations. The people, you know, these innovations entered the Muslim nation. The Bid'ah of the Khawarij, the Rafida, the Qadariya, the Murji'ah, the Mu'tazila, the Jahmiya. All these innovations. And then they kind of snowballed and became bigger and more evil until outright, outright disbelief. Statements of outright disbelief. And then shirk appeared. You know, in northern Egypt, at the hands of the Ubaidiyya, the, 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 you know, the, uh, these Batanis, uh, Rafidi Batanis, right? This is what he's referring to. So, from, from the west come the Crusaders. Then he says, he continues, so and so after a period, they besieged Damascus, they took over Damascus, and in this period, the people of Sham were in the worst of situations, in between the Christians on the one side. So they were attacked by the Christians on one side. And on the other side, they were attacked by the, the heretics and the Bataniya. Right? These were, these were hypocrites, disbelievers. Right? They were upon disbelief. They came from North Africa. They moved across to Egypt. And they established a state in Egypt. They had other states in Bahrain and northern Iran. These were all what we call the Bataniya. These, these were hypocrites, disbelievers pretending to be upon Islam and they're trying to mix between uh, Persian philosophy, Persian religion, fire worship and between something of the Sharia and with the Greek philosophy mixing it all together and coming with a new religion and then packaging it, uh, putting the label on the top of Shiism. So outwardly it's Shiism, we love Ahlul Bayt and underneath it's all of this mixture of fire worship, the Majin religion, Greek philosophy and all of this, right? So these people, they had a state in northern, in, in Egypt and in, in, in Bahrain towards the, where, where Bahrain is and likewise in northern Iran, right? These states appeared as well. So the Muslims were being attacked from that direction and likewise from the Crusaders from this direction from Europe. What's the reason for all of that? Al-Bida' wal-Fujur. Then he says, and likewise when the people of the east, now we're going towards the east, Towards Khorasan, right? Afghanistan, those areas. When the people of the East were established upon Islam, they were aided against the pagan disbelievers from the Turk and from the Hindus and from the Chinese. And in that time, the Turk was, was a, a general term referring to uh, 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 various groups of people, the Mongolians and the, 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 the Turkmen people who at that time hadn't you know, entered into Islam. Uh, many of them hadn't entered Islam like the furthest regions, right? So when the people in the east, the people of the Sunnah, they were upon the Sunnah. And when they were upon this, they were aided against the pagan disbelievers from the Turk, the Indians, the, the, the Hindus, the Chinese and others. But when there appeared from them, whatever appeared of innovations of al-bidah, wal-ilhad, ilhad meaning turning away and negation of Allah's attributes and things like that and fujur and sinfulness, the disbelievers were unleashed against them. So who came from the other side? On the other side, the Mongols came, the Tatar and the Mongols. These people were the most barbaric, vicious, uh, fierce types of warriors that came from Mongolia and they took two routes. The first route, they came underneath 
uh, towards um, Iran, Iraq, what is modern day Iran, Iraq, Sham, all the way reaching, you know, to Damascus, to the Med close to the Mediterranean. And then they went above as well, uh, above the, uh, I think it's the Black Sea, all the way across Russia, all the way across to the Ukraine, all the way across right into Europe. They reached right into Europe. Allah unleashed them from the east. Right? And so you know, you all know the bloodshed and the murder that these people committed upon the Muslim uh, nation. Right? The really terrible stories of what these people uh, did. Right? So all of this is happening at pretty much the same time. And this is just before the time of Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullahu ta'ala. That the situation of the Muslim nation was extremely, extremely dire. Much worse, multiple times worse than what it is today. Alright? An enemy from the east, an enemy from the west, the Mongols. And in the Muslim nation there are hypocrites, batiniyya, right? And they are littered in different places. And all of them are aiding each other in order to eat up and devour the people of the Sunnah, the people of the Sunnah, Sunni Islam, right? So he says, he continues, and the cause of these enemies entering the lands of the Muslims was the appearance of deviation, ilhad, hypocrisy, nifaq, and innovations, bid'ah. And the intent here is to explain that the cause of the decline of the state of Bani Umayyah was this Ja'ad bin Dirham, the denier of Allah's attributes and other reasons behind it as well. So, can you now connect the hadith that we mentioned earlier to what Ibn Taymiyyah is mentioning of the Crusaders and then the Mongols and the Tatars and then this continued after Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah because you know that maybe three or four centuries after Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah came the age and the era the era of colonialism and imperialism where these European nations they went you know France Britain Denmark Germany Holland where did they go right they went all across they went to India they went to Indonesia they went to Egypt they colonized all of these lands what's the reason for that what's the reason for why that happened it is because the Muslims they broke the covenant of Allah and the covenant of his messenger. And this covenant is that we worship none but Allah alone. We worship him upon Tawheed. And that we follow the sunnah of the messenger. We worship Allah in the way that his messenger taught us to worship him. When you break that covenant, then this is the real and true reason why enemies are over, over are empowered over you. Now, um, there are many more statements that um, I have here um, that I could read uh, but I want to just stop at this point and just make some reflections uh, because uh, I want you to uh, really pick out the important lesson from all of this uh, which is which is that we have to we have to really and truly understand the true and real causes behind the calamities in ourselves, in our own lives as individuals, in our families, the trials that we have with our families, and likewise the calamities that we have 
as a nation or that we find in Muslim nations. Through all of these statements that you've read, and there are many more as well, you can now start to understand why calamities appear in your life. Why you are having problems with wealth, with you know, uh, provision, and with fear and, and with safety. And, you know, we want you to relate these affairs to your actual life. And likewise, to the affairs which are taking place in the, in the uh, Muslim nation. And what we want to make clear is the difference between the people of Tawheed and the people of Sunnah who are the true rectifiers. They are the true rectifiers of the individual and the society. Right? And they rectify based upon detailed knowledge, insight. And they are in stark contrast to all of these people who are out there in the field, operating in the field of da'wah, trying to win numbers, trying to, uh, trying to win the minds and the hearts of the common Muslims who don't know these things, who don't understand these things, right? Whether you have these groups like the Muslim Brotherhood, whether you have Hizbut Tahrir, whether you have, uh, you know, and the extremist groups amongst them, all of these people are misguided. And they are upon misguided methodologies because they are not following the methodology of the prophets and messengers in rectifying the society. Let me give you a quick, uh, a, a quick example to show you the severe danger of this. For many, many decades it was believed that the reason for heart disease and heart attacks was a chemical or a molecule called cholesterol. Right? So on the basis that cholesterol is the direct cause of clogging your arteries, right, upon this notion, for many, many decades, medicines and drugs were developed in order to, you know, affect the level of cholesterol in your body. It turned out that this wasn't actually the real, this wasn't the actual cause and the buildup of plaque wasn't the actual cause, but rather it was a symptom of something else. It was something else. What the real cause was, is that because of diet and stress, like eating bad foods, it causes inflammation in your veins, right? You're eating bad food, and your immune system is, is now triggering a response that it really shouldn't be doing. So when it starts creating this inflammation in a certain spot, in a certain location, Right, the cholesterol which is flowing in the body tries to come to salvage to try and repair that issue. Right, so the cholesterol is a bystander, it's not the cause, it's a bystander. This is like, for example, when you have an accident in a motorway and then an ambulance comes to repair, to re, and, and a fire engine comes to sort out this problem. Right. So do you now say, you know what, the cause of this problem in the motorway was the fire engine and the ambulance? You don't say that. It was something else. It was something else. Do you understand? So now they're realizing, hold on, cholesterol is not the actual cause, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a witness and a bystander to the actual problem, which is inflammation. So now they're having to completely alter three or four dec decades worth of incorrect advice and incorrect medication. Now they're telling you things that they, you know, there are good fats, not all fat is, is bad. 
right? Reduce the carbohydrates to make sure this, you know, inflammation is reduced. Cholesterol, there is two types. There's HDL and LDL. It's not all the same, you know. So anyway, the point being, can you see how you can destroy people's lives when you cannot distinguish between a symptom and a cause? Can you see how I've give you, I've give you a physical example how you can destroy people's lives? Right? You give them drugs and medication that make them impotent, that make them, and you're not even solving the problem. Right? You're not, you're not getting down to the actual underlying problem. In a similar manner, imagine, imagine how the people of Bid'ah and Dalala, how much corruption and death and destruction they are going to cause because they cannot uh, identify the, the, the true cause and they confuse the symptom with the cause. Can you see that clearly? Right? We made it clear that tyrannical rulers are a symptom of something else. Right? The tyrannical rulers are simply a manifestation of Allah's justice and wisdom. And that there are reasons why these tyrannical rulers are there. In fact, let me, while we're on this topic, I'm going to read you and finish with a, a statement from Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah. And he's speaking... Again, on the same topic. And he says, in fact, he mentions many different things, but I want to pick out this specific one in particular. He says, Look and reflect at the wisdom of Allah, how He has made the kings and the rulers and the leaders over the people to be of the same species of the same type as the actions of the people. Rather, it is as if the actions of the servants have become manifest in the forms and appearances of their rulers. So if they, the people, are upon istiqama, then their kings will be upon istiqama, will be upon uprightness with respect to them. وَإِنْ adalu adalat alihim. And if they, the people, behave with justice, then the kings will be just over them. And if they are oppressive, meaning against each other, then the rulers will be oppressive over them. And if amongst the people there is al-makar, wal-khadi'ah, right? So if now within the society you start deceiving and being dishonest and being insincere to one another in your dealings with one another, if this starts appearing in a society, then their rulers will be made likewise over them. The rulers now are going to deceive the subjects. Right? And if the subjects withhold the rights of Allah from each other, then, and they are, they are stingy with respect to them, then their kings and their rulers are going to be likewise over them. Right? So if you don't fulfill the rights of your Muslim brother and your relatives and you, you fall short in that, then the rulers are going to withhold the rights that you have upon them. This is the real cause, right? This is the real cause why they may be hoarding the wealth. This is the real cause why they want you to fulfill their rights, but they don't want to give you your rights. These are the real underlying reasons. He says, if the people take and misappropriate from each other, or from those who are weak, and so they exploit them and take from them their wealth, if the subjects do this between themselves, then Allah will make the kings and the rulers 
to take from the whole society right what the kings and the rulers do not deserve so they will impose upon them al mukus wal wadaif they will impose upon them taxes and duties on their wealth and likewise every time the people they take something from a weak and drought, downtrodden person they see he's susceptible and weak and they exploit him and they take something from him then allah will make the kings to take the same from the people with force and with strength so he says so meaning that the rulers over them are just simply a manifestation of their own actions it is not from the wisdom divine wisdom that that upon the sinful evil people that they are made to rule except by people who are of their likes then he says when we look at the very first generation the best of generations the most pious of generations meaning Abu Bakr and Umar we see that their rulers meaning Abu Bakr and Umar they were like that over them and when they began to you know uh, you know mix evil with good then likewise the rulers were made over them likewise فَحِكْمَةُ تَعَالَى تَعْبَى أَنْ عَلَيْنَا فِي مِثْلِ هَذِهِ الْأَزْمَانِ so meaning that the wisdom of Allah refuses that in our time we should be ruled over by people that who are the likes of Muawiyah and Umar bin Abdul Aziz let alone the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar rather our rulers are in accordance with us and the rulers of those who were before us were in accordance with the people who came before and all of these affairs they are in accordance with the wisdom of Allah so you can see now here from, from the statement of uh, Ibn al-Qayyim that the ruler is simply a manifestation of the people and Allah is the one who places the Amir as has been stated by Mu'ad bin Jabal radiallahu anhu he said, Inna al-Amir, Inna al-Amir min amrillah. The Amir, the appointing of the Amir is from the affair of Allah. Allah is the one who appoints him. فَمَنْ تَعَنَ فِي الْأَمِيرِ So whoever reviles the Amir, فَإِنَّهُ يَتْعَنُ فِي أَمْرِ اللَّهِ أَزَّ Then really he is reviling the affair of Allah Azza wa Jal. Meaning, meaning, and this is a refutation of all of these ignorant people, whether they are from the Muslim Brotherhood or Hizbut Tahir and those kind of people with this faulty understanding. That the rulers over the Muslims have been appointed by Allah by way of His divine wisdom and His divine justice. So any person who comes along and he starts reviling, saying, meaning he comes and says, the reason for no jobs is because of this wicked evil ruler the reason for the disunity of the muslim nation is because of this evil ruler meaning everything the ruler is responsible for it every single calamity on the face of this earth is the ruler's fault right right and so he's making ta'an upon the amir right what this person is really doing he is making ta'an 
upon the affair, the command of Allah The command of Allah which is kawni, qadari. Meaning the affair, the, the laws of Allah and His creation. He's really reviling the command of Allah. Right? He's criticizing the wisdom and the, the, the justice of Allah in placing these particular rulers over the people. Why? Because this person has no fiqh, a jahil. Right? So, so the point being from all of this, uh, from all of this uh, discussion, and likewise, uh, Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymi, in fact, he has a similar statement, if I can find uh, where it is. Uh, we'll finish with this, inshallah ta'ala. He says, indeed, the affair of rule being destined for the kings and their deputies from the rulers, judges, and leaders is not due to, not due to the deficiency in them alone, but due to the deficiency in both the shepherd and the flock together. As you yourselves behave, you will be ruled over in a like manner. And Allah Azawajal, He said, وَكَذَلِكَ نُوَلِّي بَعْضَ الظَّالِمِينَ بَعْضًا بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ Thus do we turn the oppressors against each other on account of that which they used to earn, that which they used to basically do. And Abu Bakr, Muhammad al-Tartushi, rahimahullah, he said, and we'll finish with this inshallah ta'ala, I never ceased listening to the people making this statement. A'malukum, ummalukum. A'malukum, ummalukum. Your actions, your own actions, are your workers, are your own agents. He says, I never, I, I kept hearing this statement, people mentioning this statement. I never really understood it. I never understood it. And as you are, as you yourselves behave, كَمَا تَكُونُونَ عَلَيْكُمْ And as you yourselves behave, you will be ruled over likewise. I never understood the, why the people were saying this or what it meant until I grasped this meaning from the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal and then he mentioned this verse. وَكَذَلِكَ so he said that I never understood what this, what this meant until I grasped the meaning from this ayah in the Quran. Thus do we turn the oppressors one against the other on account of that which they used to earn. So he said, and it used to be said, it used to be said that Whatever thing you are showing rejection against in your time, whatever thing you're complaining about in your time, then it is your own deed that has corrupted that for you. And Abdul Malik bin Marwan said to the people, this is a ruler from the uh, Bani Umayyah, he said, O subjects, you have not dealt justly with us. You want from us the seerah, meaning the way and the behavior and the treatment of Abu Bakr and Umar, but you, do your, but you yourselves do not behave with respect to us or yourselves with the behavior of Abu Bakr and Umar. Right? So, we'll, we'll finish with that uh, uh, statement from Ibn Taymiyyah. There are actually many, many more statements I have here uh, because, due to shortage of time. I can't go into all of them. But inshallah, the general idea, you understand the general, the general picture that the people of the Sunnah they are followers of the prophets and the messengers and they gain a correct and true understanding of how Allah <coughs> how Allah 
how he behaves with his creation. They understand the rules of Allah <coughs> Azza wa Jal. As we find in these texts from the Quran, from these ayat and from the hadith and from the elaboration of you know, the statements that we brought from the Salaf, from the Sahaba and from the Tabi'een and from Ibn Al-Qayyim and Ibn Taymiyyah, that we have a very particular understanding of the reasons and causes for all of the calamities that happen in society to individuals or whole nations. We know why this is happening. It is, it is because the people are far away from the sound creed. They have entered into shirk. They have entered innovations. And so long as these affairs remain, then Allah's justice, Allah's vengeance, Allah's wisdom will continue to be implemented. Right? So the people of the sunnah are the true rectifiers of the earth. They are true rectifiers of the society. And this is why we, the whole issue of the methodology of the prophets in calling to Allah. This is not obviously my topic. Other, other speakers will you know, address this particular topic. But I wanted to cover this topic in my lesson so that you can better appreciate some of the other lectures. And how important it is for us to truly understand the stories of the prophets, what they began with, what they taught to their people, how they began with Tawheed, and how they began with obedience to the Messenger. This is the true cause of rectification. And it is only the true genuine scholars, scholars who are upon the way of the Salaf, who can identify the true and real causes behind the calamities. Right? Right? The reason why Muslims are split and divided and humiliated is not because of, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the uh, disbelieving nations. Right? Don't point your finger at the non-Muslim rulers. Don't point your finger at them. Don't point your finger just at the rulers. Right? They are one part of many, many factors. Right? So when you, when you misunderstand this whole issue, then you will embark upon methodologies which bring even more corruption, even more harm, even more bloodshed than there was at the very beginning. That's why Ibn Taymiyyah said, <coughs> that's why Ibn Taymiyyah said that 70 or 60 years of tyrannical rule is better than a single night without a ruler. Meaning living in chaos and confusion without a ruler to organize the affairs. Right? It is better to have 60 years of that than to have a single night of, you know, without having a ruler. So, inshallah, perhaps we've uh, benefited from some of these uh, tremendously insightful statements from Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah and ibn al-Qayyim. And as I said, try to relate what you've heard in this lesson uh, because all of the lectures today are connected and some of them uh, fill gaps in others and some of them provide more details, you know, uh, uh, a bit more detail than others. So put everything together and gain a good understanding of this topic. Inshallah ta'ala, we ask Allah to... Um, benefit us from the uh, knowledge of, of the mashaykh that we quoted from. May Allah have mercy upon them all. And with that we conclude our lesson today. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.